On this brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, we're talking with the Toronto Raptors Director of Wellness, Alex Auerbach, about the importance of relationships, of putting people first, and why what we do outside of work, outside of training, affects who we are inside of. What's up, Competitor Nation? Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer. Welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast, or if this is your very first episode, welcome to the show. Welcome to Competitor Nation. I'm so excited you're here and starting 2021 with us as we get to welcome to the show Director of Wellness for the Toronto Raptors, the NBA team. We're going to talk with Alex Auerbach today about the power of relationships and how as leaders, we need to be focused on connecting with people building those relationships. And I talk about this a lot on the show and we've talked about this in the past. I spent a majority of my life trying to keep people at arm's length. Relationships from dating to friendships to to business. I keep everyone at distance because I'd been burned. I'd had my heart broken in relationships. I'd had, you know, family drama to deal with. I'd been screwed over in business deals. And so I try to keep everyone at arm's length even the people on my own team, because I felt for me, it was safer that way. In reality, that all that was doing was keeping a wall for me and those people and, and preventing me from connecting with them. And to be a great leader, to truly make an impact and influence on people, you have to connect with them. You've got to be able to get to their heart before you can get to their head. They don't care what you know, unless they know how much you care. That applies to relationships with our kids. That's relationships with our spouse, our friends, our family, and the people we're trying to serve and impact in our work each and every single day. So Alex and I talk about the power of relationships and how he's seen things in a championship culture. He, he walked into the Toronto Raptors coming off the NBA title. He's seen what champions look like, how they behave, how they perform, how they interact. And he shares a lot of that behind the curtains with us today. And my hope with sharing this conversation with you is that you'll pick up something you can take into your office that you can use with your coworker, perhaps someone you're mentoring. Maybe this is something that'll add value to your relationships at home or your friendships at the gym. Something to help you better connect with another person to better influence them and better impact their life and their trajectory because that's ultimately what it's all about. Life is short, life is fleeting. It may be January right now, but the year's gonna be over before we know it. And the question we need to be able to answer confidently on December 31st, 2021 is if you were asked, did you do everything you could to make the biggest impact on others? Could you answer that question? Yes. Could you say, yes, I did everything I could this year to make the biggest impact on other people. And if you did, you confidently step into that new year. And if you don't, you're going to look back and wish You'd taken the time to better connect with others, to build up your skill set and yourself so that you could better impact others. See how that works? It's not just about focusing on them. It's about how do I show up and improve who I am so I can show up and help others improve who they are and where they're trying to go. So sit in, strap in, get ready for this brand new episode with Alex. But before we dive into the show, I want to remind you that the best way to get in touch with me or the Compete Everyday team about the podcast is that email podcast at competeeveryday.com. 
We love getting your guest recommendations. We love hearing feedback on the episodes or what you've taken away from each and every episode. It just means a ton to know that you're listening. You're being able to take value from each episode and run with it as well, applying it to your life and how you're showing up and competing. So shoot us an email, podcast at competeeveryday.com, especially if you've not taken the time to say hi. We'd love to get to know you, put a name to you listening and to your download as well. And as always, the best way to support the show is picking up some gear at competeeveryday.com. Code podcast will get you 15% off. And if you're loaded up, locked, and ready for the new year with some fresh gear, then just leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes. Help someone else discover the Compete Everyday podcast by sharing feedback on what you get out of the show so that they can know what they can expect getting into an episode, downloading, and most importantly, joining Competitor Nation. Now, let's get rolling. Let's learn how we can show up, compete better as leaders with the Toronto Raptors, Alex Auerbach. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. This is going to be a fun conversation today for our listeners because as we kind of briefly talked off air, uh, you and I have some crossover and connections with Dallas-Fort Worth that I wasn't originally uh, aware of until I was prepping for the show. But you've been really all over the country, well, and I would say internationally now because you're in Canada working with the Toronto Raptors. So you've been all over the place. You've seen a lot of different things in terms of building your career. So today's conversation should be a lot of fun. Before we dive into a little more of the weeds, give everyone just a snapshot of what role you have today with the NBA's Toronto Raptors and really what that role entails. Sure. So I'm the director of wellness and development for the Toronto Raptors. And, and really that means a couple of things for my, my day to day. So first is, you know, the overall wellness of the entire organization, um, players, staff, coaches, really thinking about the organization from a holistic perspective and understanding what influences both mental health, but also mental performance. And how do we help create kind of a high performing organization and a high performing context for people to really be their best. Um, and on the development side, it's really sort of a, a transition away from the old way um, that many organizations have done player development work um, and into a new space where we really sort of put some of the things that our players are most passionate about front and center. So, of course, the NBA has their ideas of, of how player development should be implemented and many of the things that they bring forward are excellent foundations for the work for our players in terms of developing as people. And then my role is to then think about what that next step is and how do we build on that great foundation the NBA has set um, and help the players really get into things that they're interested in um, outside of the mental health space. And so I have a wonderful team I work with um, who really supports in that domain. Um, but it's really, you know, my job to think holistically about the players um, off the court and as people and as performers and, and the rest of the organization as well. Well, and what I love most about that, and especially highlighting the life off the court is because a lot of fans don't ever think about that aspect, but just like in our own lives as non-professional athletes, what we do in one area really influences how we show up in other areas. And, and that balance is so key. One thing I'm curious about is how you got to this position, because I know you initially started working with football programs as kind of a, a quality control or student assistant initially and worked your way up before switching down this domain. 
Yeah. So when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a football coach. That was, that was the dream. Um, and so I actually ended up sort of picking where I went to undergrad based on the one institution that would give me a chance to work with the football program. And it happened to be uh, supremely convenient because it was also my hometown. Um, so I had the chance to go back to uh, Arizona and, and work with the football staff. I spent my first year doing some recruiting. Um, second year was kind of some recruiting and some offense. Third year was kind of some recruiting and some defense. Graduated and took a full-time coaching job. I'm at University of Rhode Island, just like you said, an entry level, they called it restricted earnings position, um, and had the opportunity to really do that full time. Um, and what I found in that experience was that I just really gravitated toward, again, some of the things that were happening off the field, right? So there was, um, I enjoyed a lot spending time with the players on the field and, and teaching, you know, the proverbial X's and O's, if you will. But I really thought that the place I was making the most impact was in the stuff happening um, outside of practice hours, um, the phone calls from players or asking to meet or kind of talk about, you know, a particular class they were in or thinking about their major, you know, some of the different conversations that college students like to have um, about their future as they start to think about life after graduation. And, and so for me, it really stuck with me that that was where I felt the most passion and that those were sort of the, the problems I enjoyed solving the most. Um, and, and that prompted me to sort of step back and reflect a little bit and think about whether or not, you know, coaching was um, really what I gravitated toward or if it was more of this kind of, you know, relational side. And, and obviously it's nuanced, right, because great coaches are great relationship builders, I think. Um, but for me, I think the part I struggled with the most was I just don't know that I'm the best teacher. Um, and I think a lot of really great coaching is great teaching. Um, and so when I really gravitated toward that relational side, that exploratory side, the kind of more conceptual human development, um, and less towards the teaching of coaching, that's what prompted me to sort of step back and reevaluate and um, was lucky to get an internship back at Arizona with a sports psychologist there at the time and sort of explore and experiment some with whether or not sports psychology was really where I wanted to be and um, ended up feeling like it was a really great fit. Um, you know, I love the environment of elite sport. I think there's a lot of of really dynamic people I get to work with. Um, I love competing. I think that's one of the fun things about what we get to do. Um, but the chance to really help develop people and help people and make a real tangible difference in their lives in this kind of um, intimate and, and personal way was really appealing to me. Um, so I did my doctorate at North Texas, which is how we have our, our DFW overlap there. And, um, you know, one of the few sports psychology and counseling psychology training programs in the country um, and, and an excellent institution and a, a really great experience. And then um, did my clinical internship in North Carolina before then going back to Arizona and actually running the sports psychology services I interned for um, a few years before and then uh, had the opportunity to join the Raptors and here we are. So uh, one of the things I find interesting about you sharing that, that I'm curious maybe your perspective on now is you mentioned as a coach, you weren't as much on the teaching side. You didn't feel like that was your strength. But when I think of performance and I think of sports psychology, I think of someone teaching people how to build their self-awareness, how to build those mental skills needed to be resilient, needed to be and find joy and purpose. And there were a lot of those pieces that kind of go into how we perform. How has your perspective as a teacher shifted, I would say now having gone through that experience, because if I'm wrong, please correct me, but I would see a lot of your work now helping teach the players as well. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great point. I think for me, you know, one of the, the key differences is um, 
I think the teaching is a little bit more bi-directional in this role. Um, I think there's a little bit more of an opportunity for collaboration around how things get done. You know, I think coaching is, is really directive um, in the way that it goes, right? So a coach calls a play and the player executes the play. Um, and very rarely does the player say, you know, like, coach, I'm not sure about that. You know, that one's not going to work for me out there. I don't feel like I can run that route or catch that pass or throw that ball. But in, in sports psychology, you know, there really is that opportunity for the player to say, you know, I'm just not sure that's going to work for me or here's something that's really worked for me in the past. How can I take that and elevate it? And so the teaching still does happen, um, but it happens in the context of a very different relationship, I think. Um, and I think both relationships have tremendous value and tremendous power. Um, but where I find myself maybe being a little bit more successful as a teacher in this role is more around sort of the opportunity to take what someone is bringing forward and help guide them less than direct them toward what they feel like is going to be most successful for them. And so, you know, some small differences there, but I, I think critical differences in the way I think about and, and action my work. Well, and, and also, you know, there's a difference between how we learn from a directive versus being collaborative in that process. It sticks a little bit better with us as we're being guided along and having to still figure some of that out on our own. One of the things I know we, we kind of touched on off air that we wanted to talk about is just high performing teams and cultures. And, and I'm fascinated from the different viewpoints and cultures you've seen, because when I look at your resume, all I can think about are championships. And, and I say that because like you spent time, you were with the chiefs, you spent time with the Rams in, in Arizona where you had your internship and then went back, like that's championships in basketball, softball, that's competitive teams. You've got volleyball, you go to North Carolina, which well-known Dean Smith's run uh, back to now stepping into Toronto Raptors after them coming off an NBA title championship. What have you seen? Obviously, each of those cultures has probably been a little bit different, but what are some things that you see consistently in each of those areas that you obviously want to help be a part of and continue to build on? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. And I, I often try to find common threads between the places and the, and the programs that have been really successful. And I, I think a few things really jump out to me probably first and foremost is I think the great cultures I've had the opportunity to be a part of are really people centric and people first. Um, and so it's, it's sort of, um, I don't want to say foolish, but foolish or naive maybe are the best words I can think of to, to think that winning isn't a priority, but I think immediately after winning or sometimes next to winning is taking great care of great people. Um, and really wanting people to be their best. And it, you know, the stuff that um, typically interferes with high performance in an organization, like individual agendas or um, competing priorities or competing goals sort of fall by the wayside. Um, and people really put the team first and put each other first. And, and having that as sort of the guiding framework, um, I think has really helped. And I think coupled with that has been really great, um, very human leaders, you know, leaders who of the organization, coaches, presidents, general managers who um, have high degrees of emotional intelligence and, and aren't um, shy about who they are as people and, and sort of own their own story and own their messaging and are very authentic. And I think that allows the players that are part of that program, the other staff that are part of that program to bring their best selves to work. 
Um, and then ultimately what ends up happening is you create a culture where everyone feels like they can be themselves and feels like they can be their best and that they're going to be accepted for what they do. Um, and, and people will be understanding of, you know, the moments when we're not our best because that's just part of it. Um, and we'll keep sort of making progress and moving forward. I, I think that starts with that really humanistic and, and human-centered sort of discussion. I think then some of the other tangential things are, um, you know, the, the really high-performing teams I've been around are incredible competitors, um, you know, with both competing with others, but also competing with themselves, you know, really working hard to be better than they were yesterday um, and, and focused on sort of expecting themselves to continue to get better and believing in themselves. Um, I think those would be probably some of the, the bigger threads. I'm sure there's more I can unpack there, but that's what comes to mind. Well, the, and the people first one is, is one that as I've gotten older, I, I just seem to be more and more aware of. I mean, when I look at organizations and sports, whether we're talking Seattle Seahawks, I mean, we know the, the Spurs and what Popovich has done in San Antonio over decades and, and what's really going on there in Toronto, you, you see the relationship piece. And people, I think, tend to gloss over how important it is. They use catchphrases as chemistry and there's, you know, they have great team chemistry, but really it's about the power of, of building those relationships, of building that trust in each other. Um, and that was one of the things I, I really wanted to talk most about you is because you guys came off a, a championship run and I know quote unquote experts were like, well, there's going to be a big drop off, but the winning culture really stayed and the teammates that were still there that continued to play hard and were together and, and it was actually in my opinion it was a lot more fun watching this year uh because of that different dynamic and so i'm curious from your standpoint having gone to different places and worked with obviously tons of different personalities and people where does a leader whether it's a, a team leader or even a coach where do they start trying to build that relationship to to get that people first mentality when most people on the outside are like, well, it's only winning. It's only profit. Like we don't have time to invest in the relationships of people, but it's by investing in the relationships that you can get the wins and you can get the profits. Yeah, I think um, you're spot on. And I think the best place to start from my perspective is in, in dropping your own individual agenda, right? So oftentimes, you know, the goal of winning or the goal of getting to a particular destination in a relationship um, becomes sort of the vehicle through which everyone sees their interaction, right? So like, if you really want to feel, you know, you really need a player to step up and be a leader, then all of a sudden, all your interactions become about sort of moving that player in that leadership direction. And at times that then that lens and in your individual goal kind of interferes with that player being able to be who they are and to express what's going on for them and to share, you know, maybe they don't feel ready to step into that leadership role or um, they have competing demands or they're not sure, or they're still learning about themselves There are all these other things that can go on. And so I think starting by just letting go of what it is you're hoping to accomplish in a relationship, right? Like I think it's all relationships, people generally have things that they want out of them. Like that's just a normal part of relating to people. And sometimes it's connection and sometimes it's higher performance and sometimes it's a combination of things, but it really starts with letting go of, of that as the goal. And instead thinking about just building a real authentic connection with this person, listening, hearing, learning about them. And then from that place of understanding them and caring about them and connecting with them, with them shaping what you want your relationship to mean. I um, mean, I think that those, those things can be challenging to do, 
um, particularly in places where, you know, we feel the demand and the pressure to win or compete or perform. Um, sometimes you want to just sort of like force your way in there almost. Um, but I think, you know, almost the opposite has to take place where you sort of let that go um, and you allow that to sort of subside and instead focus on really just getting to know the person in front of you and then co-creating the sort of environment and experience and relationship you want to have in a way that's beneficial for both parties in an ideal world. Uh, along those lines, in terms of the relationship, uh, something I'm always fascinated by are the competitors and, and high-performing athletes, will say, that are ultra-serious in the moment playing their game and performing. They, they take it incredibly seriously. They obviously put their heart and soul into it. But they also understand in the larger context of life, it's just a game. And how does someone, I would say, effectively learn to balance that perspective that you I mean, there's a lot on the line with this game, and this means a ton to me personally within my career, but it's also just not as big of a deal in the grand scheme of things uh, because there's so much more going on in the world. And especially, I think a lot of people have eyes have been opened up to that this year. And so I'm curious from your standpoint, having to work with individuals for that life off, off the court and life outside of it and their family and their relationships, how do you still help them manage the importance of the moment on the court with the bigger picture of life out beyond it? Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's about sort of shifting the perspective from being about everything being about the moment on the court to seeing life as sort of like a, almost like a portfolio of investments, right? And you have to place your effort and your time and your resources into these different areas and different domains for you to be the best that you can be. So, you know, as a simple example, right? Like if you have a lot of family issues happening at home, it's going to be really hard to show up and perform in the moment. You know, if you're a high performing salesperson um, and you hang up the phone and you've just got in a big fight with your spouse or loved one, it's going to be hard to walk into that sales pitch and give your best work. And so I, I think the more that I can help people sort of see life outside the performance domain, as also a part of their performance, right? Like it's about investing in this, knowing that this investment is going to pay off when the time comes. So you can truly shut off and be in the moment, right? Like part of what allows people, I think, to not worry when they're performing and just play free or just enjoy the game is knowing that everything outside the game is taken care of and is in a good position. And so I think a lot of it is about seeing the rest of life as an important area to invest in, really taking that seriously doing the work. And like you said, maintaining that really healthy perspective of, you know, it's, it's absolutely okay to care about something. It's absolutely okay to care about the game. And it's also possible to really care and let it be just a game or let it be just that last game and we can move on. Right. And I think that's part of, um, you know, to a degree, some of it comes with just experience and, and players sort of going through um, or salespeople, whoever it is, right? Like going through the winning and the losing or the yeses and the noes and seeing that, you know, the wheels sort of keep turning and there's always another opportunity. Um, but some of it comes from that really active investing in the rest of your, your life and seeing how that active investment can actually pay dividends when you step on the floor. Um, and then I think when that experience clicks and people really see how that works, it becomes much easier to maintain that sense of perspective to know that, you know what, if this one space doesn't go well today, that's okay. I have all these other areas of my life that I've invested in that I really care about that I know are going to lift me up that are going to make me feel more whole and complete and full. And I can show back up tomorrow to my performance domain and give my best effort knowing that I got loved up outside of that space. So uh, along those same lines, just out of curiosity of, of having those different areas and investments is dealing with things outside of your control. 
And I think this year has been a wake up call or this past year has been a wake up call for everyone in terms of That's for sure. everything outside <laughs> of your control, but learning to better control what's within your control. And I know your team was headed to Tampa, I believe for training camp. Yep. Down in Florida, yes, because yeah. of the new NBA season. And so that obviously wasn't expected. It's thrown probably people for a curveball initially. And you have expectations of just like we talked about with the relationships, you have expectations of what's going to happen. And then when that's changed, a lot of people struggle to still get their focus back on what's within their control. From your experience over the last year, what have you seen from a leadership level in terms of learning how to control your controllables and then working with your team on that, especially if teams kind of struggle with that feeling of dealing with uncertainty? Well, I, I don't think you could have asked for any more uncertainty in 2020, right? I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been a wild ride. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think from really both on the team perspective and the leadership side, I think one of the things that can happen when there's a lot of uncertainty is everything can start to feel equally important. And I just don't believe that it's really possible for everything to be equally important. And so one of the ways that we can focus on what's controllable is really starting to identify what the most important thing is we can do right now and the dimensions of what that thing is that we really can control um, and so, you know, if it's preparation for an NBA season, for example, well, we may not be able to fully control where we're going to do that preparation, but we can control, um, you know, bringing Raptors level quality to whatever that situation is. We can put our best foot forward. We can show up um, with great attitude and great energy. Um, and that doesn't matter where we play. Um, and, and one of the things that um, you know, our, our head coach has been absolutely amazing about has been um, his, his sort of way that he's encouraging agency amongst his players too to sort of take ownership of this situation um, and to sort of think about not necessarily reacting to all that we can't control, but really responding in a controlled way to what it is we do have ownership over. And so again, those are the simple things like how you direct your focus, the energy you show up with, the attitude you bring forward, the goals that you have. Um, all of those, I, I think, are, are a big part of sort of doing that, controlling the controllable. And I think there are really practical skills we can, we can use to help with that too, right? Like, so one of the big things that's come up during the pandemic, I think, has been goal setting. Like, there was so much uncertainty and, and being unclear about where we're going to be next week. It almost feels like, well, it's just easier to sort of throw my hands up. And, and not move anything forward until I have greater certainty. And I think the, the opposite is, is true, right? So if we can identify, you know, and I may not know where we're going to play basketball next season, right? But I can identify, here's exactly what I can work on this week to get better as a basketball player. That kind of thing can really go a long way for helping people feel that sense of agency and ownership and control. Um, and I think from a leadership perspective, the big thing is, allowing people the space to navigate the uncertainty and to sort of process that, but then also sort of continually refocusing people again back to what is it that we can do? How do we show up and be the best at what is our job to be the best at every day? Um, and really bring that into focus, knowing that we're not going to have all the answers to what's happening in 2020. Um, and, and if we can let go of needing the answers to perform and we can just do our best, we'll end up all right. I love that. I love that. Uh, just not only the recentering on those goals, because you're right, that's our first instinct of, well, I don't know what's going to happen or how long this is going to last or where we're going to be. So I'm just going to wait it out. And, and in reality, <laughs> it's like, how do we shift to focus on what we still control and what we can do this week to improve 
our positioning and we figure out those unknowns as we get a little bit closer. So I, I really appreciate you kind of pulling back the curtain and sharing some of that and how coach nurse has done that as well for y'all's team this year, man, where can we get connected with you online? Where's the best place to follow one? I, I know you put out some great content on Twitter, but do you hang out anywhere else or is Twitter the best place to follow you? Twitter is my only location socially. That's I think I have man. LinkedIn linkedin too but I, i'm not super active on that yeah twitter is great i think it's at alex Auerbach phd um, and, and i'm admittedly trying to put forth a greater effort to to do even more on twitter so that's the best spot awesome yeah i was about to say you put in some great information and for those listening would highly recommend giving you a follow because a lot of the stuff you share and articles and threads things that continue on what we're talking about here uh, and you guys listening to the show will probably recognize he's also connected with some other guests here on the show like our friend brian levinson over at intentional performer so man this has been a lot of fun today i really appreciate your time and insight into sharing your journey more about the cultures and, and most importantly just talking about relationships and connection, which is really what it's all about at the end of the day. So Alex, man, thanks for hanging out this week. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. As always, drop us a note with your feedback to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Check out more episodes, find amazing apparel, get connected with the community at competeeveryday.com. And until next week, Bring your best, show up every day regardless of how you feel, and be that type of competitor you were created to be.